Seahawks fans, wherever you may be. Welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Hey, Seahawks fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alpstead, sitting down with Keith Myers, and uh, we're in the bye week. Hey, Keith. Yeah, bye week. Coming off a win, um, a an important win um, against a really bad team. It's an important win because had they lost to the really bad team, it would it would it would have been a signal that it's time to start trading vet players. And they won, so we ended up, you know, not doing that, which is one of the things that we're going to talk about today. Yeah, you know, it was the Jacksonville Jaguars. They they definitely are a bottom five team in the NFL. There's no oh, doubt yeah. about it. They just have a a, a serious talent deficit mm-hmm. on that team and some questionable coaching and and so forth. So the Seahawks took care of business. I, so that's the the good part about the game for me was that they took care of what they needed to take care of decisively. It wasn't like we were inching along and squeaking this out and you know pulled away at the end or whatever. This was methodically taking care of business all the way through. Before they scored at all, we were up 24 to nothing. It, there just wasn't any question in this game. Yeah. So 31 to 7 was the final. Um, the last seven points um, from the Jaguars came in the in the final couple of minutes after the game was completely out of Yes, completely, gar- completely garbage time. Uh, right around the two-minute warning when they uh, – or just after the two-minute warning when they scored. And then – they tried an onside kick for reasons that make no sense because you're not coming back from that far down. <laughs> and Travis Homer fielded the onside kick. And instead of going down, he decided to run and ran it all the way in for a touchdown because they weren't ready for him to do anything other than fall down. Yeah. No, that was glorious. It, just, it, just, it was just <laughs> a, a, what a special teams gaffe by, by yeah. the Jaguars. Like you can't allow that to happen. And yeah, I mean, it, that was the, the, the game had ended well before then, but at that point, you were like, okay, any any hope? You're already like a you know less than one percent win percentage, and that just made it you know. Oh, you would you, zero. You, less than one. Yeah, I'm talking ninety nine point nine nine nine. Yeah, however many decibels that you can <laughs> add, you just keep adding them. That was that was it. Okay, so before we kind of get into the show a little bit and some other topics. Let's talk about the trade deadline because that happened today. Mm-hmm. Uh, it came and went. Seattle stood pat. Uh, there was some speculation, some talk that Seattle might move a couple of players. The uh, Seattle media mentioned two specifically in Rashad Penny and LJ Collier. And we kind of anticipated that too, just based on the fact that Penny hasn't been able to stay healthy for three years. And when he has been in, he is, his impact is just diminished i mean he just does not look like a player that's able to help this team and then lj collier is just a healthy scratch can't get on the field his position group at five tech is really crowded as you've mentioned in uh, prior shows and and they just weren't able to get any deals that looked attractive to them to move those players and uh i would imagine even the deals that were on the table were just chicken scratch at this point for those guys. Um, I would imagine they probably didn't get any offers for Penny. And if they got an offer for Collier, it was probably like a 2022, 
2023 or 2024 conditional seventh round pick type of a thing where they just, ah, you know, we're going to keep him for injury yeah. insurance purposes for the rest of the year and then we'll move on. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, Collier, Collier looked better last year. He was, he was just awful as a rookie. Um, he actually was a, uh, a big contributor a year ago. And so he had more expectations for him than we've seen, Yeah, but, but they, but they've gone out and brought in other players at his position and Rasheem green has gotten healthy um, on top of that. And he just keeps getting pushed further down the depth chart to the point where the only chance you had to get actual snaps was at three tech moving inside um, to defensive tackle. And he simply isn't effective there. So that means you've got a guy who doesn't have the speed to rush the passer. Well, um, from the defensive end spot, can't really play on the inside. There's not a ton of value in a run stuffing defensive end, which is what he is. And he is just down on the depth chart. So he's not getting any playing time at this point. Yeah. He's insurance. He's insurance in case they have a couple of injuries at the position. But other than that, I don't expect to see him much this year. Um, The other NFC West teams did make some moves, which was interesting. Um, And each one of them were, were decent. Um, mm-hmm. in their own way. The Rams, I think, had the biggest, uh, splashiest move with the 2022 second and third round picks going to the Broncos for Von Miller. I mean, um, we've seen, you know, Von Miller's had the most sacks in the NFL, I think, since 2011. Yep. And he's a great player. But when you've got him for half a year and he's got four and a half sacks total so far in eight games, you're looking at four four or five sacks the rest of the way for a second and a third round pick. And, and, and that's it. He's a rental. Well, and he so might, he, he is a rental, but he might be a guy that you get more out of than the four or five sacks, because you're now going to play him in the same pass rush as Aaron Donald and um, Floyd coming off the other side. And so you've got, there's a lot of pass rush. There. What do you think about that in the NFC West? That I think, move? I think that that was a great move. Considering where the Rams of, are sitting. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a great move in that you, you get a guy that's actually um, athletic enough to chase down Murray, um, the Arizona quarterback and, you and know, Russell Wilson and Russell Wilson. And it gives them a chance to, to, you know, be just be better um, defensively. The, the, defensively, they haven't been that good this year. The the offense has been been better, but the defense has not been the same quality as it has been in the past. And this just makes up for a lot of that. It was a big price, though. A second and a third round pick. They already don't have a first round pick because oh, of the um, yeah. Stafford trade. They their, also their draft is gone. They also don't have a sixth or a seventh or a fourth. They have <laughs> a fifth. Their their draft is gone. I mean, it is, they have they've a, leveraged they have a, the entire future for this year. They've literally put yeah, everything on the line. They have the Super Bowl. one. They currently sit with one draft pick for next, what, this coming draft. So what do you think of that strategy? Like literally putting every all the chips are in. I they're all it. on the table that you pushed them all in and, and that's it. I hate it because what happens is you're so susceptible to one injury just derailing this whole process. And what so a, then you've mortgaged your future. But your and, future was fairly mortgaged anyway, and contract-wise, you know, their their salary cap is kind of screwy, and they've got uh, Stafford now playing really well. He's going to end up getting some epic contract now mm-hmm. that he probably wasn't going to have before. It was going to be league average 
you know, or slightly better, maybe making 30 million a year type of a thing. And now he's probably earned himself an, an additional $10 million a yeah. year. Yeah. I mean, for a, they're, it's they're, crazy. They're I don't think they're going to be able to afford him. They're a mess. They're well, they, they will because they <laughs> traded their entire future for him. Right. Um, but who will they lose? And this was the problem going into this year is that they, they already had to jettison, jettison some defensive talent in order to afford to bring um, Stafford over. Now they're not going to have um, first round picks for the next three years in order to account for that. Um, put, they don't have any draft picks. They have one fifth round pick uh, in this next draft. And so they're going to have to find a way to reset and recharge, uh, reload, whatever word you want to use, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They don't have the salary cap movie to, uh, money to do it in free agency and they don't have the draft picks. It's going to so be. So if Matthew Stafford and Von Miller are the difference for this team and they win a Super Bowl, is it worth it? Yes. Well, I think that answers the question. And that's the thing is if, if those two moves get them a Super Bowl, absolutely it's worth it. Um, I, I, most teams would take, you know, 10 years of lose or nine years of losing if you win a Super Bowl in the 10th year. Um, and, and so, okay, fine. Sure. Um, uh, it's better than, you know, 10 years of barely making the playoffs, um, which has kind of been the Rams thing for a while now. Um, but what happens if Aaron Donald gets hurt or, or what happens Stafford. if, or Stafford or Von Miller, who's actually been fairly fragile the last couple of years, mm-hmm. right? So you've traded away all this stuff, or Cooper Cup. um, to become, and elite a Super Bowl contender, but you're also one injury away from all of that effort being for nothing. And that's the way it is it's, in the NFL, it's a, Keith. It's a I mean, huge risk. It's, it's a, a huge, huge risk, risk, but now you're talking about half a year. So now you're talking now you've squeezed the entire year down into the remaining eight, eight or nine games mm-hmm. plus playoffs. And I think that is a is a decent risk for a team that's right on the cusp. And so um, coming out of the strongest, you know, uh, division in the NFC West, being emerging as the best team possibly, uh, you know, you're competing now with the with the, the Cardinals for that. But I would argue the best team overall and best coach to get to the Super Bowl in, mm-hmm. in a year where the NFC the NFC in general is really competitive. And um, so it'll be interesting. It's an interesting role and. Given the other factors that you talked about with the draft picks that were already gone anyway, the salary caps, the timing, it just seems like this would have been it. I mean, this would have, you either go all in or you just kind of stay put and you may not get there. Um, and I'm not sure if Von Miller's the guy that puts them over the top. We'll see what kind of impact know. he has down the stretch. But if you He's say such, Aaron Donald player. on the inside is going to help him on the outside, I kind of believe that with Leonard Floyd on the other side that all of a sudden becomes fairly formidable for teams and their defense is already pretty decent. So <clears throat> it Von, be Miller is, Von Miller is a truly elite player. Has um, been, has been, and has been. And I think that you're looking at it. Is he anything, you know? Yeah. He's, yeah. Th- I mean, that, is he anything more than like Carlos Dunlap on steroids right now? Well, a little he, bit. Yeah. I mean, he is, he's an elite. I mean, he's pass more rusher. of a, he's yeah, he's more of a pass rusher. And now, a word from our sponsor, DraftKings. NFL fans, hungry for a big win this week? 
DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL game to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code TPPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 and older, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. He's a guy that in the past has had, um, you know, I think, I think he one year had 16 and a half sacks and another year he had 15. I mean, he's that kind of guy. He's only got four and a half this year, but part of that is the talent around him in Denver. They're just not as good uh, there. And so teams are double and triple teaming Miller in order to keep him. Yeah, I'm sure he's very happy. He's very happy. He doesn't have to go through yep. a cold, cold winter. So <laughs> um, how about the Cardinals in Arizona uh, adding Zach Ernst? This came before the trade deadline. This came mm-hmm. about a week and a half ago, but I'm going to go ahead and count that deal anyway as a team that made an improvement on a midseason trade to to add to their roster and give um give murray another weapon yeah i mean uh there's no complaint you know if you're a a cardinal fan i mean it's it's a very good player it's a position of need in that so now you're going to have more um he's a mismatch he creates all sorts of problems for defenses because of his athleticism and speed at the tight end spot and so not uh, only a mismatch but he gives he gives murray a a way out of different situations Mm -hmm. you know murray likes to scramble and stuff you know and when you do that you tend to draw defenders to you and when that happens spaces open up and murray has proven that he can he can take advantage of that yep and so giving him a big target in the middle of the field i mean I, I think it was a good it was a good move for them. I think that it, it does improve an already potent offense, especially because you know at the at the receiver position, Arizona's not as strong as the names on their roster suggest. Mm-hmm. Um, Hopkins is still great, but um, you know AJ Green is he's lost a step, but he's still effective in what he does. Yeah, but he he used to be one of the top you know three receivers in the league, and now he isn't. Um, he's a possession guy, a short route, um, big body, you know, type of receiver. It's a completely different kind of player. Yeah, but it's, I think it, not, does, not it benefits dynamic. that offense, though, that run and shoot kind of thing that they've got going on there. I don't know. Yeah. It seems to work for them. It seems to work. So, and then, um, and the 49ers added defensive end Charles Amenahu. Uh, from Houston, they gave a 2023 conditional sixth round pick, which is essentially nothing for a rotational uh, five tech mm-hmm. defensive end for their defense. I thought was was an okay move for them. 49ers aren't really going anywhere, so this was more of a probably a project that they can develop, hold on to a player, see what they've got, yeah, um, and see what happens next year. 
he's a guy that is under contract for more than just this year. It isn't a rental. And so they gave up a draft pick. It's a low draft pick. It's a sixth rounder. Um, if he plays a lot, they can move up to a fifth rounder. Yeah. And not it's, even in 2022. Yeah. Um, and so they, they gave up not much uh, in order to get a guy. And they, the truth is they've needed some help on the defensive line. They need rotational guys. They've got some good players. Uh, but they need some the guys behind them when when their good players have to come off the field. The, the drop off in talent has been extraordinary, and so they're looking for rotational guys, guys that can come in and make them better. My only problem with the move is that the 49ers aren't going anywhere. It, why are you trading for to make your team better now when you're yeah, going to be? Losing? I don't think it's a I don't think it's a move to make the team better now. I think it's exactly what you said. They're, yeah, they're mean, bringing a player in to evaluate and positioning themselves to have some depth this year, and then see what happens. Yeah, I mean and, they're they're a team that's that's going to be around 500. They're not going anywhere, and right. so trading away assets, you could have gotten that same player maybe without giving up the draft pick in the off season or. A similar player it's not like those players are hard to come by well so, and, and that kind of points to what seattle's ultimately went went with at the trade deadline which was kind of staying pat you know that this same same record as san francisco essentially mm-hmm. and um they decided not to do anything not to add or subtract from their roster um which to me was probably the most logical thing coming mm-hmm. out of that when the 31 to 7 win against the jaguars um so if we they had kinda... lost to if they had lost to the Jaguars, I think we would have seen them trade away some some stuff and, and salary dump. next year. Um, if they had beaten the Saints or the Saints and the Steelers along with the Jaguars, I think you would have seen them trade for a cornerback if there was one available. Tried to get some help. Yeah, um, yeah. Maybe a, I, I do a too. I, I and, heard that um, that um, well, it probably wouldn't have fit this defense. Because Fuller from the uh, the Broncos was available, but he's more of a slot guy. So I was going to ask you, um, what do you what do you think of that? Like for the for the Seahawks, um, as far as how do you feel about that Saints game? Like how close we were, and it looks like the Saints are a good team this year. Like, yeah. does it make you feel any like? And the way that we lost to the Titans, for example. Um, and now that you, you kind of know, we kind of know what those teams are now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the saints well, now just lost Winston for the season, but nonetheless, a good solid team. And we yeah. lost against what, what has proved to be one of the top, probably five defenses in the NFL against the saints. Well, and we did it without Russell Wilson. That's the other thing is you had Geno Smith right. in there. That's what I mean. Um, so, so what do you so- think about that? Well, I think what it shows you is that the Seahawks are closer to what we thought they were coming into the year than what people are saying, is that this is a better football team than their record suggests. Um, I mean, they've had to play three games without their starting quarterback, and that's gonna that's rough. And they, uh, and they had to ease into whatever uh, Shane Waldron was bringing in. Yeah. It, you know, and, it took them a while to figure that out. And so we have, you know, there's growing pains with that and, and whatever, but the defense also wasn't good, and we can go – you know, say, talk about how we kind of um, overestimated the talent on the, uh, or the, the production we were expecting out of the defense, but overall it's still a good football team. They, they, without their starting quarterback played the saints, you know, right up to a last second field goal. They, yeah. um, Seattle defense is improving. So like the last four games were 10th in opponent passer rating, 
third in third down conversion rate against us, eighth in opposing yard opponent yards per play, and fifth in points allowed in the last four weeks. Mm-hmm. That's not, you know, for a defense that was 31st before that last four weeks, um, that's that's a pretty significant improvement. Yeah. Now, granted, um, opponents are opponents. In the NFL, though, you got to play who's in front of you, and so I'm not going to take anything away from that. Well, I don't know. I mean, you look at uh, who they played before that, and, um, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo and company is not scaring anyone. Um, neither is uh, Ryan C- Tannehill and, and all that stuff. I mean, yeah. it's it's not like they went they were playing. Um, you know, the top quarterbacks in the league. And now like we are in the next two weeks. And then, yeah. And then now we're playing, and then, then they went to playing a bunch of backups and whatever, like they were playing, you know, okay. Ish quarterbacks the whole time. And they went from giving up tons of yards to not giving up many. And so yeah. it has been a significant improvement. And what we've seen is them using like Jamal Adams in a way that makes way more sense. And They've made some adjustments on uh, at cornerback. Um, yeah, getting and Ryan Neal coming in too. I think Ryan Ryan Neal's playing more, and that's been helpful. They've been getting um, Trey Brown um, a lot more snaps, and he has stepped up and done well. And so, so they've made some personnel adjustments that have helped. Um, yes, and so they, they are a better team. They're they're a better team than their record suggests, and I think that's where we're at. Is that this is a team that because of their record, you don't want to go all in and make a couple of big trades and give away, you know, draft capital uh, because it's going to require for a marginal lot. return. Yeah. You're, you're going to have to go. You're, it's going to require a lot for them to get into the playoffs and, be, and, and really contend for anything. But at the same time, it's possible you know, with this team being pretty good and Russell Wilson getting healthy. Yeah. Well, Russell Wilson's going to have to play hero ball for, for like 10 straight games. Yeah. Um, basically. Yeah. Well, he's been doing it for 10 straight years, so I don't know what we're worried (laughs) about. Um, Exactly. Well, you know, the cool thing is, is that the defense held the Jaguars to zero points for 58 minutes. I mean, that's significant mm -hmm. and they looked really good doing it now. Yeah. Granted it's the Jaguars, but I'm, I'm going to not talk about the Jaguars that way because you know what? It's the NFL. Um, What I was looking for specifically, though, was individual performances, the defense as a whole, and so forth. There were just a lot of things to like in this team, the way that the game flowed, how they stopped opponents on uh, or the Jaguars on third down. And um, fourth down. And fourth down and didn't let them really have any chance, just choked them out, which was – what you'd want to see in this game. Like it could have been one of those games where they play down and they didn't. And so yeah. that to me is like a, a, the big takeaway. Well, um, what I was going to ask you for in this show is, did we learn anything about the Seahawks in this game? I think we learned a lot about the character of the team. Because, because if you really take a look at it, Keith, we came into this game like with no hope. I mean, you've got a whole bunch of, of the fan base that's selling off all the tickets, t- Tickets to this game were the cheapest they could be. There was a whole bunch of empty seats. You're seeing a lot of kind of people just kind of giving up, walking away. But the team itself is not there. Um, so that, to me, was a big takeaway. The way that they came out and played to care of business was a big takeaway. The way that Geno Smith came in and had command of the offense and really just uh, 
what we talked about a couple of weeks ago where I said, hey, this is Geno Smith's opportunity to play out of Russell Wilson's shadow and focus on what the defense or what the offense is designed to do, which is tempo, um, quick hits, uh, hitting on the first or second reads, um, and, and that sort of thing. And that's what we saw in this game. Um, as far as other takeaways from this game specifically, it's hard because yeah, it is the Jaguars and you were expected to do this. And because you did it doesn't mean you should deserve extra, extra praise. It's yeah, just one I of mean, those things. I don't know. I don't know if we've learned anything about the team other than, you know, the, you, you want to mention the character part, but as far as like the play on the field part, because they well, you did still what, have individual match matchups in the NFL and there's still good players on that Jaguars they still, team. They did what they were expected to do and nothing more. And I mean, well, yes, I the mean, defense was great, but Jacksonville, yeah, but the, I think I'm the offense, you know, the you offensive had, line is bad. Yeah, no, their, their offensive line was bad. Our defensive line was better, which is good. Okay. But, so we have, we have something to look at there. But, but our does offensive that mean that, our, does that, mean that really it translates well to the defensive. next game? Does well, anything we I saw mean, translate to the end of the next game? Is yeah, they were better than the worst. I think what I talked in, in about translates. I think what I talked about translates just the mindset of, of winning, of still being in it, of being competitive, of playing assignment football better. Um, translates it can translate now when you're talking about a completely wholesale one to two levels difference in talent between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field. I don't know what translates to be completely honest with you. I think that's yet to be determined. I think, and you know that, I think it's yet to be determined on this game. I think this game is very telling about what, where they're at, where they've come from, how they played the the saints. I think how they played the, the, the Tennessee Titans earlier and the, and the Rams all kind of comes to the front right here. You get Russell Wilson back. Maybe he's got, five days of practice before this game maybe um and we'll see because i think this is this is like the game of the year because um it's on the road against a tough opponent you're still needing to win every game like every game is like a playoff game almost which is pete's thing and he kind of gets teams ready for these sorts of things so it wouldn't surprise me if they won this game it wouldn't surprise me if they were they got killed in this game. I'm just really curious as to see which team shows up. Is it a team that's going to give the Packers everything they got and fight to the to the, you know to the death at the at the final whistle, or is it a team that's going to get run over and the game's over before the third quarter ends? You know, um, so that'll and be so telling. I, my my bigger point about the the this last game is I don't think we learned anything. Like, I literally don't think we learned anything about Seattle um, that they yeah, beat on a, on a really bad Jacksonville yeah. well, team. Here's, but here's I think we, we will learn. I think we will learn everything about Seattle over the next two weeks when they're playing probably the best two teams on their schedule. Maybe the Rams are in that, too. Um, but with the Packers and Arizona, those are yeah. like the best two teams on they're their the schedule. best two teams on the schedule. And I don't even feel like we're ready, which is hard because yeah. Russell Wilson's not been with the team for a while. And the team is just starting to turn the corner. So when you have a team that's just starting to turn the corner, if somebody smashes you in the mouth, it might set you back. 
Exactly. Or you've risen, risen up so much that you can overcome some of that early season stuff and you kind of rise mm -hmm. over the top. I just don't know which we're going to see. I really Well, that's don't. what I'm saying is I think, I think we're, we're going to learn everything about this year's team over the next two weeks, because if the Seahawks. Oh, we have three, to, because what if they lose both? Then we'd be sitting at what? Three and seven. Yeah. You're sitting at a point where you have to win out um, in order to, to make a playoff uh, spot. And they're, yeah, there's that. But um, if you, they take one of these two and they play the other team tough, that means they're right there. They are right in the same conversation as those two teams, which are the teams that people um, say are the class of yeah. the NFC. And if you, well, there's a whole list. Of, there's like five or six teams grouped right now with Seattle at three and five, mm -hmm. um, four and four. Uh, and, and some of those guys we play still coming out. Others we've already played, like the forty, uh, the um, well, the forty ers once, but like the the Vikings and so forth. So, yep, we're gonna need a little bit of help along the way. But there's that, that grouping there to get that seventh spot in the playoffs. Is we're right there. We're only a game out, literally. At three and five, we're literally one game out of that seventh spot. And yep. we could be the best team of that bunch, not just by a little bit, but by a lot, given the fact of where the teams evolved. And then you add Russell Wilson. Yeah. Now, so, now the, the hard part, the hard part, Keith, is these games would have been at, at, at the best Seahawks team in the last two or three years that, that could show up for a game. These games would be hard. Mm -hmm. Right. Agreed. So if we lose these two, is is everything lost you know it depends on how we how we played those games um but i'm not it's going to be weird but you could be sitting at three and seven and still have hope that you could actually rise up and and take care of business the rest of the way and still still make it somehow the the bottom line though is keith if we're three and seven after two tough losses against two tough opponents nobody's going to feel good about that Mm -hmm. um the that the season's basically going to be written off even if they were to close out and and um win out uh they would have have momentum going into the playoffs but nobody would expect them to actually do anything in the playoffs once they got there yeah because they would have lost to the the, the, the playoff teams on their schedule correct um and so yeah they because the schedule does get easier in the second half of the season um so them going on a run is highly probable um, but if you can't, if you don't beat any of the good teams on your schedule during the regular season, then you made it by beating the, by beating bad teams. Um, and, and I just, I don't know. You're right. There's going to be no expectation for that. So green Bay was able to go take a game from the Cardinals. Mm -hmm. So if we lost to green Bay and beat the Cardinals at home, which seems like the more likely scenario, but maybe not, <clears throat> maybe green Bay's. You know, thinks Seattle's having an off year. They they kind of underestimate them a little bit. Seattle comes in and takes it, and then somehow sneaks out one against uh, Arizona at home. And all of a sudden, people are starting to talk about Seattle as being a oh, team yeah. that nobody wants to face. Because at that point, Seattle will have clawed their way back to five and five, having just beat the class of the NFC in the the previous two weeks. Um, now yeah. they're they're in the driver's seat because they're looking at. You know they're, they're they're looking at at an easy schedule, making a run, getting the 10, 11 wins, 
um, pretty easily and, and being a team that no one wants to face in the playoffs. There's a very, it's a very different thing depending on what happens in these next two games. But I'm just saying if they play both these teams tough and get one win, it's, it's very, it's, it's a different than if they play these teams tough and don't win anything, because if they can't beat one of the good teams in the NFC, they're not going to be ever viewed as a threat. Um, but if you can beat one, play the other one tough, that means, okay, in terms of on-field like ability, you're right there with the class of the NFC. And I think that is a scenario where they'll still be talked about favorably, but they have m- more work to do to get there between now and the end of the year as far as getting into the playoffs. So we kind of skipped over a whole bunch of guys to talk about in this game. Medcalf had a great game. Um, Tyler Lockett had a great game. Bobby Wagner had 14 touchdowns. Um, Geno Smith. He did not have 14 touchdowns. 14 14 tackles, sorry. (laughs) Um, You can't go without saying something about the way that Geno Smith played. 2024, 195 yards, a couple of touchdowns, 128 um, quarterback rating. He also Um, had a rushing touchdown. And a rushing touchdown. Just overall, just a great performance from a backup quarterback is what you wanted to see in this game. And he delivered. It doesn't make up for the three tough losses and, and turnovers and so forth in the last uh, three games. But, you know, at least, you know, I don't want to say we went one and four with Geno Smith without Russell Wilson, but that's, that's what it was. But at least he, he had this added to his resume. It might've mm-hmm. been the last time he takes a snap as a Seattle quarterback, uh, but it, it may give him an opportunity to find a job somewhere else. Yeah, I mean this this was a, an opportunity for him to show that he can run an offense, that he can um complete a high, you know, level of passes, um be really efficient, convert on third downs. I mean, he did what the team asked him to do. Um he also you know, didn't have a great yards per attempt because it was a lot of checkdowns and a lot of short mm-hmm. completions and that kind of stuff and and uh, it was also against a really bad team, but I mean, it is what it is. Like he, he played against the team in front of him. He played well. Um, and it's too bad that he wasn't able to play that well the previous two weeks because they could have used it. Yes, absolutely. All right. Let's Alex Collins only had 10 touches for 44 yards. It's 4.4 yards per carry. Which it I seems like he should have, he should have had more because he just affected he did affect the game in a positive way. Well, they gave seven carries to Rashad Penny for seven yards. He averaged one yard per carry. You asked me what we learned out of this game. That's what we learned. Rashad Pen- Penny after the ACL injury just, is not the same guy. Yeah, he's going to have a hard time getting back into the NFL after this year. Yeah. Which which is tough. It's it's it, that's tough. Um, all right, let's get out of here. Um, thanks for joining us, everybody. Follow Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. I'm at NWC Hawk. The show is at Hawks Playbook. SeahawksPlaybook.com is your place to go for all of our shows and all the other content on there. And uh, you can find us on YouTube and subscribe to that channel. That would be outstanding. And your favorite podcast apps, including Spotify, Google Podcasts. Apple Music, um, all that stuff. So, until next time, go. See how the Playbook Podcast listeners. Thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. 
You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at MWC Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Fox Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at Seahawks Playbook.com.